Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. And money we don't have, to buy things we don't need, to impress people that we don't even like. Hello, I'm Rick Hughes, host of the Flatline. Brought to you every Sunday here on this local radio station. Thank you. Stay with me for the next 30 minutes. 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, a whole lot of education, and never any type of manipulation. We're going to mention the fact that human solutions are no solutions, and divine solutions are the only solutions. So stick with me. The Flatline is all about learning God's wonderful problem-solving devices. There are 10 unique problem-solving devices that we call the Flatline, the main line of resistance, the forward line of troops. And you say, well, what is all of that about forward line of troops or main line of resistance? Well, it's a military uh, analogy, just like the Bible uses one. When Paul talks about putting on the armor of God so that you could stand against the strategy of the devil, we're using a military analogy here, a metaphor. And we're talking about how you as a Christian can establish a main line of resistance in your life made up of 10 unique problem-solving devices. And if you learn them and you use them, then you can stop the outside sources of adversity before they ever become the inside sources of stress. That's why we always say that adversity is inevitable and stress is optional. So the flood line, we've been on the radio over 600 Sundays across the United States and climbing into more radio stations. We love to hear from our listeners, and we encourage you to write to us. You can go to our website, Rick Hughes Ministries, Rick Hughes Ministries, www.rickhughesministries.org.org. Now, don't put .com. You'll get some barbecue guy. .org. And you can drop us a note, or you can see what we have available for resources and reading material. And anything on our site is free. We never charge for anything. We never solicit money. We never ask for money. Because I've always believed if God's in it, God will pay for it. You know, last week, if you were here listening, you heard me talk about the heart, the amazing thing called the heart. And today, I want to talk about a simple phrase in the Bible. And uh, it's a simple phrase. It's called, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And I'd like to tell you what that means. You hear about people talking. You hear people talking about this sort of stuff a lot when they talk about someone being in Christ. We get this from Galatians 3, 26 through 29. If you listen to me now, I'm going to show you some things today that are pretty unique. Here's what Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says. For you are all sons of God by means of faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Now that's interesting. Because there are no racial divisions in the family of God. This is a direct reference to the baptism of the Holy Spirit as per Ephesians 4, 5 through 6. Listen as I read it to you. It says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and one Father of all who is above all and through all and in all of you. So by means of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are placed into union with Christ. Placed into union with Christ, not by means of water baptism. That's an identification that you're a Christian. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you are taken and put into union with Christ. So if you draw a circle and put a dot in the middle of the circle and the circle represents Jesus Christ, you are in Christ. You're in the middle of that circle right there. What a wonderful thing to be in Christ Jesus. That places all believers into God's royal family. So I don't know you, and you probably don't know me, but we're all in the royal family of God together. No racial issues. One person, one race, one fellowship. We are in Christ Jesus. Now, once we're in Christ Jesus, there's some security there that you can bank on. We are secure in Christ. Go back to the circle with a dot in the middle of it, and that's what I was mentioning to you. When I say you're secure in Christ, listen to Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. This is a divine promise from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the anointed Savior of the world, that he will not abandon us. He will not throw us under the bus. He will not walk away from us. There is no doubt you maybe at some time in your life walked away from God. He still loves you. He has not cast you aside. If he had, you wouldn't be alive today. He still loves you. In spite of what you've done that shocked yourself, forget about it. If you can go to the Father and admit your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. It's Satan that wants to always bring that sin back up to you and make you feel guilty about it and tell you what a jerk you are because you did that. And he'll tell you, you're probably not a Christian or you wouldn't have done that sort of thing. And that's not true. If you can go to the Father and confess the sin, this is called rebound. This is problem-solving device number one in the Christian's life. We all sin. And if we rebound, 1 John 1, 9, where it says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. So by going to the Father and naming your sin, you are cleansed and put back into fellowship with God. And so Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In John 10, 28 and 29, talking about security in Christ, if you are in Christ, are you secure? Do you have eternal life for sure? Yes. In John 10, 28 and 29, no one can take you out of my Father's hand. That's a divine promise. In 2 Timothy two thirteen, even if we believe not, yet he, God, still will abide faithful. This is called the doctrine of eternal security. And in 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says these things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. Once you make a decision to believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as your Savior, you are in union with Christ. You're in God's royal family, and he's not going to turn his back on you. He's not going to disown you. He's not going to kick you out of the royal family. We have eternal security. 
Now, I can assure you that Satan would like to steal the joy of your salvation by getting you to doubt that you're really saved. He's good at that, to put a guilt trip on you. Never doubt God. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are in Christ Jesus and you are secure. He will never leave you. No one will take you out of his Father's hand. And even if you believe not, the Bible says, 2 Timothy 2.13, he abides faithful. You know, there may come a time in a person's life when they accept Christ when they're young, and then as they get older and go to college and get under some sort of teaching, all of a sudden they begin to believe, well, maybe I was wrong and maybe God doesn't really exist. Will they not be surprised when they wind up in heaven? Because once you believe in Jesus Christ, you're in the circle. You're in the royal family of God. You are secure. Now, that doesn't give you the right to do whatever you want to do because along with being in that family, there's discipline. And that's why in Hebrews 12:6 the Bible says those that God loves, he disciplines. Sometimes he has to scourge us with a whip. And it's not any fun being on the receiving end of divine discipline that is designed to give an attitude adjustment. It's designed to induce humility to you so that you will quit being arrogant and denying your sin and you will confess your sin and restore yourself to fellowship with God. So security is in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus. The minute we believe in him, the minute we receive him, we are placed into union with him, into his body, the church, the royal family of God. There is also strength in Christ Jesus. Number one, there's security in Christ. Number two, there's strength in Christ. Philippians 4.13 says, and Paul wrote this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, a lot of athletes will have that tattooed on them. Some people have that logo or that tattoo. that verse uh, printed on their refrigerator or on their Bible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is the strength in Christ Jesus we're talking about. But there is a requirement here. If you want to be able to do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you, then you have to be able to live like he lived and think like he thought. What do I mean by that? You must do what the Bible says, Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Now, how do you put on Christ? Am I saying he's like a robe and you put it on and you wear it? No. What I'm saying is Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So we are to learn to think like he thought. And how does he think? 1 Corinthians 2.16 says the New Testament is the mind of Christ. So as we learn the Bible, we assimilate his attitude of humility, and we begin to think in terms of divine viewpoint, not human viewpoint. This is taught in Romans 12.1 through 3, where it talks about stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance beyond what you should think. But think in terms of humility as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. If you're going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, this means you put on his mindset.
you begin to replicate his lifestyle. And you cannot replicate his lifestyle in the energy of the flesh. You cannot replicate his lifestyle without understanding what he thought, how he thought. And so if I put on Christ, I let him live his life through me. Listen to Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Those two words right there, he loved you and he gave himself for you. Without that, we'd be in a big hurt. He loved you. He loved you before the world was even created. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, we love him because he first loved us. There's no doubt about it. In eternity past, God the Father loved you. He knew who you were, what you would be, and he knew that the only way that he could have any fellowship with you was for his son to be the substitute for you. He gave himself for me, Paul said. When our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross, he wasn't dying for anything he did wrong. He was dying as our substitute. We should have been there. We're the ones that did the sin, not him. But he was the perfect Lamb of God without spot and without blemish. And he takes away the sin of the world. So on that cross, someone was dying in your place. On that cross, he was giving his life as a ransom for your eternal security. And what he's asking you to do is that since he gave his life for you, he's asking you to give your life to him, to let him live his life through you. There is strength in Jesus Christ if you let him live through you. There will be difficulties and adversities. There will be temptations and there will be trials. And just as he passed those temptations and trials, you can do also when you let him live through you. Here's another thought. Not only is there security in Jesus Christ, not only is there strength in Jesus Christ, but you're not a stranger to God ever. Ephesians 2:19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Actually, you now have a dual citizenship. You have a citizenship in heaven. The Greek word is the politouma. Politouma is your citizenship. You have a citizenship in heaven just as you may have a citizenship in the United States of America if you're an American. A dual citizenship. A citizenship in heaven, in the, in the eternal state, and a citizenship in the United States of America in the time state. So here you are with a dual citizenship, and you're not a stranger. God knows you. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. His son lives inside of you and replicates his life through you. And Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven. 
from which also we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We wait. Is he going to return? Yes, the Bible says he will. But the Bible indicates that no man knows the hour or the date. It simply tells us that we know in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain together shall go to meet them in the clouds and thus shall we ever be with the Lord. This is called the exit resurrection or some people call it the rapture of the church. But picture this. You're driving down the road and all of a sudden drivers begin to disappear. Cars begin to crash. Pilots are gone from airplanes. People begin to disappear and immediately go to be with the Lord. The dead in Christ shall rise first, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, and then we which remain alive shall be caught up together with them. So listen, what an amazing thing. If you're a student and you're at school and the rapture takes place, bingo, you're gone. They're going to find your clothes laying in the middle of the floor. and People are going to think you're running around naked in the school. Somebody will be calling the police trying to find you, and you won't be found because you have gone to be with him. He came back. He called you. He summoned you, and he took you with him to heaven. This is the amazing thing about this. Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. That's where you're going to wind up from which we eagerly await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come back and get us. In Second Chronicles 16:9, following the thought that we're not a stranger, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. There never is a time when God is not looking at you. There never is a place that you can go that God doesn't see you. And there never is anything that you do that God is not aware of. This is his omniscience. His omniscience knows everything. And he can see your heart. It says whose heart is perfect towards him. This is a demonstration of your positive volition and that you are staying filled with God's Holy Spirit and you are growing in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not staying filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're letting unconfessed sin reside in your life, you're not taking in God's Word consistently, you're just playing church, showing up, you know, the nod to God crowd, they call it, hello, God, goodbye, God, see you next Sunday, God, maybe Wednesday, God. That is not the heart that is perfect towards him. The heart that is perfect towards him is the mind who is stayed upon thee. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for you to have an attitude of dependency upon him. He's looking for you to get up each day and say, this is the day the Lord has made, and I'll rejoice and have a superabundance of happiness in it because of his unfailing love and mercy every day. Proverbs 15.3 the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. And so God is very much aware of who you are. You are not a stranger to God. You are strong in Jesus Christ. You are secure in Jesus Christ. And in Christ Jesus, we have a completely 
new spiritual life. Using the word S again, spiritual life. We have a new spiritual life. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was the prototype. He lived, in effect, the very first Christian life. And then he passed that operational type spiritual life to us with instructions. This is what he says in John 16, 12. I still have things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. This is the Lord speaking to the disciples. However, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth, the spirit of truth is, and he will not speak of his own, not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak as he will tell you things to come, and he will tell you things to come. So the Lord Jesus Christ has given you a spiritual life. Now you're living a physical life right now, but there's another you inside there, and it's the spiritual life. It's the born-again man inside of you. There's the outward life that everyone can see, and there's the inward life that only God can see, the spiritual life. And so our Lord telling those disciples, I'd like to tell you everything right now, but you can't bear it, meaning basically it would just freak you out. But don't worry, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth because he won't speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, that's from the Father, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come. This may be what you're hearing now, God the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through the Word of God, speaking to you. I know I'm the speaker in the radio show, Rick Hughes, and the Flotline, but it's through the Scripture that God the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and it's through the Scripture that God the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It's always been that way. In John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, when the Father will, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. This is the ministry of God the Holy Spirit. Now listen, when you believed in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1.13 says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to the circle with the dot in the middle of it. The reason you're not going to get out of that circle is you are sealed in that circle by God the Holy Spirit. But there's a difference between the sealing of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. The Bible warns us in Ephesians 4, don't grieve the Spirit of God. The Bible warns us in Thessalonians, don't quench the Spirit of God. When we sin, we break fellowship with God. And we lose the filling of the Holy Spirit. We don't lose the sealing. We're still sealed in that circle. But we break fellowship with God. And that's why rebound or problem-solving device number one is essential, to restate the fellowship. So when we go and admit our sin to God, we resume the filling of the Holy Spirit. When you admit that you've sinned and you failed and you tell God what you've done, you are filled with the Holy Spirit until the next time you sin. And you say, that may only be an hour from now. That's right. It might be an hour. It might be 30 minutes. But you can regain the filling of the Holy Spirit every time you name your sin to God. 
Believe me, eventually you will grow. And eventually you will find that you may even be able to go for extended periods of time without sinning. Uh, you have a sin nature. You're going to sin. But it's possible to go two, three, four, five, six hours without sinning. I promise you. So the Holy Spirit is there to teach you, to show you what is to come, and to help you live your spiritual life. Because it's a supernatural life. It cannot be lived in the energy of the flesh. If you're going to live the life that Christ lived, you have to know that he also was guided and empowered by means of the Holy Spirit. You can read Luke 4, 1 through 14 for yourself, where the Holy Spirit guided Jesus Christ in his humanity. The unique thing about Christ is he was a God-man, undiminished deity, but true humanity in one body forever. In the body, he died for us. That's his humanity, not his deity. Now, finally, there's safety in Christ. In 1 John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is the one that is in you than he that is in the world. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation. There's safety in Jesus Christ. I mean, this is the divine seatbelt in Christ. I don't have to worry about my life. I don't have to worry about my future. I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm in the royal family of God. I'm in God's perfect, wonderful, safe hands. I don't have to worry about disaster. I don't have to worry about freak things happening to me. I know that God is in control. And if I will use problem-solving device number three, called the faith rest drill, faith rest, standing on the promises of God, then even when I hit the stormy seas, I can remember where the Bible says there is no temptation come upon you that God is not aware of, and he will give you the ability to sustain it, the testing that you will go through. You are safe in Christ Jesus. Satan is not going to be able to take your life. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. There is safety in Christ Jesus. So tonight, when you go to sleep, remember that. Thank you for keeping me safe, Father. Thank you for keeping my family safe. And please keep us safe in the future as a family and as a nation. That is the most wonderful thing in the world, the safety in Christ Jesus. Well, this is your host, Rick Hughes, and I would like to say thank you for listening to me on the Flatline. Come back next week, same time, same place. Until then, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.